This is College Admissions Clinic Radio. Our topic today is what we as college consultants can offer your family and why we provide value. Hi, this is Hayden Shumsky. Welcome to College Admissions Clinic Radio with me, your host, and my co-host, Dr. Marshall Shumsky. Uh, Dr. Shumsky is a 25-year veteran of the college consulting game, helping families with admission and every step of the process from uh, high school planning to uh, choosing the right college. He's a veteran also of uh, some exceptional universities as a professor, uh, including Northwestern University and the University of Virginia. Uh, He's also my dad and my colleague here, and I want you to welcome my partner on the radio, Dr. Marshall Shumsky. Thank you, Hayden, for that lovely introduction. Uh, I've been laughing because I remember those blank looks on students' faces when I was a professor at Northwestern and University of Virginia. I was very young because I finished up my PhD quickly and I was easy to talk with. And students would tell me about their confusion. I would first ask, why did you choose Northwestern? The replies were, it's a good school. My high school counselor felt it was a good place for me to go. I know some older kids who attended and liked it. My uncle is an alumnus. When I would ask, why did you come here? What did you expect to get at Northwestern? The answer was, I don't know. Or, I never asked myself that question. And then I would say to them, do you know the mission of Northwestern? Answer, no. Do you know how the faculty views their role as teachers? Answer, no. Do you know the excellent departments at Northwestern? Answer, no. No was the typical answer to those questions. The students earned their diplomas, and there was the usual distribution of grades. When I would see them as seniors and ask, did you get the education you wanted, the most frequently occurring answers were, I expected more attention from faculty. I expected more direction from faculty. I expected assistance in linking up my major to careers. These answers are similar at all colleges and universities where students had not asked themselves, what do I want from a college and where can I get it? It was true then and it is just as true today. Parents and other adults would say to me, what do you expect from a young person? My answer was self-knowledge and some vision of what they needed from a college or university. When I left the academy and became an education consultant, I knew my goal had to be laying a pathway for students to have self-knowledge and to have accurate information of what a college or university offered, meaning its mission, how faculty views their roles, how much attention the school is willing to give students in in courses and guidance. That is what I think I have provided students 
in my 25 years in this profession. That is why our company has been so successful in steering students to the colleges that will give the student what he needs. So just recapping what you said, I think, again, for our listeners, during your experience at Northwestern in particular, but also at UVA, University of Virginia, what you were finding most often was that students who were pretty darn good students in the first place to end up at those universities uh, because they're highly selective, because they look for certain types of kids, um, were in their first or second year coming to you saying, I, I feel lost. I don't know why I'm here. I don't really know what to do. I don't know how to connect my major and so forth. And you're saying that the same thing was true as much in their senior year as it was in their first year. Yes. And so your first awakening to the fact that students didn't really know what they were doing in terms of their college decision-making was the fact that here was a bunch of really bright kids, right, top achievers for the most part, who had made their ways to top universities, and they had never really asked them the question of, what do I want to do with a college education? What am I supposed to do with it? What do I need to get here? Why are my parents paying, in those days, probably not as much as, as today's dollars, but if we said, in today's dollars, $100,000 over the course of my four years would be a common number, maybe as much as 200000 they didn't even had they hadn't even asked themselves that question. And these are top, top, you know, top 10% type kids in their high school classes. I would say that regardless of the grades that students had in college and regardless of the grades they had in high school and standardized test scores needed to get into the two elite schools that I taught at, that there was no discrepancy between the so-called lesser students in terms of grades and the higher students. And what I mean by that is no discrepancy, meaning you could get the same profoundly lost looks on faces with, let's say, a B-minus student as you could with an A student. So it wasn't that the A students knew why they were there right. or had more self-knowledge. They worked harder, and maybe they learned quicker, and maybe they even had more contact with professors. But it still didn't change the confusion. And that's what was amazing to me. And that's why I swore to myself when I became an education consultant that that was the single most important thing to get across to high school students. And when I say the single most important thing, meaning you cannot go off to college without some self-knowledge. You cannot go off to college without understanding their mission without understanding how the faculty views itself in terms of research, teaching, what their obligation is to students, what their obligation is to administration, and that you have to know 
what the school's best departments are. I think what you're saying is you have to have a good idea of what the school is in business to do, how it operates, what it's in business to do, meaning uh, if it's a teaching university, then what does that mean on an everyday basis for students? Uh, if it's a research school, what does that mean on an everyday basis for students, for undergraduates we're talking about, or for the college-bound? Um, if it's a school that has a mission of being a technically-oriented uh, school or a hard science-oriented school versus a school that's more oriented towards social sciences or liberal arts, that has repercussions in terms of the way they do business. So I think I hear you saying that, but I think I hear you saying another piece, which is a student has to ask himself or herself the questions of what are my particular needs in a college education given my outlook for my career or my eventual study in graduate school my life down the line and so forth. Is that, I think that's what you're saying. And I guess what the average parent or student might say is, well, geez, I'm only 17 or 18 years old. How am I supposed to know those things? I'm a consumer who has only a little bit of knowledge, and I'm going on what the so-called expert, maybe my college counselor or the college guide I read, tells me to do. I think the answer is... Uh, the, that a 17 can't have the answers all to him or herself, a 17-year-old, though they may, very few of them. And that's why we're in business, because we can provide the questions that you have to ask yourself, the guidance of why a, a, a certain type of college makes sense or why a major that you might have dismissed might make sense for you and how it might hook with your careers and so forth. Asking yourself, uh, do you prefer to do more of the reading and writing type of work? Or are you more of a textbook learner? I mean, all of those tough questions. What kind of social life are you looking for that you may not even be asking yourself? I think that's some of the real value that we provide. Do you, does anything or do other things come to mind immediately in terms of things that you feel is a real value that you provide to families? Yes. And number one would be we are the only stable adults in their life during the college admission process. Now, what I mean by that is that their college counselors at high school throw out a bunch of names. Um, they often change those names based on a student's complaints or changes and so forth. But those colleges that were thrown out did not have anything to do with who the student was. And the student is well aware of that. They were just looking at the student's profile, grades, standardized test scores, extracurriculars, and so forth. So in that way, that's not a stable adult. That's an adult who's blowing with the wind. And part of that is blowing with the wind, and part of it is they don't have the time to get to know the student and to ask the tough questions maybe that you or I might ask in the course of getting to know a student over a good number of hours over a couple of years. Well, I would say exactly that, but also it's not their mission, all right? Uh, oftentimes parents think that we're 
negative about college counselors at high school high school at, college counselors. high school college counselors we're not negative it's that getting to know the students and providing an environment where the student can talk about themselves talk about their interest uh, dreams what they think they're good at what they don't think they're good at the college counselor at high school can't provide it because he's too or she's too busy with the 50 to 1,000 other students he or she has to oversee because they have an administrative burden, et cetera, et cetera. And they're working for the school. So sometimes the students don't feel comfortable revealing some of the truths about themselves to agents of the school that they attend. Yes, because they think it might be used against them. Right. Uh, during the rest of their junior year and senior year and might be used against them in terms of letters of recommendation. Right, right. Now, in terms of being the only stable adult, parents aren't stable. Nothing about their psychology is that they're caught in a bind. If they push too hard, they're going to get a backlash and quite possibly they're going to send their child to a school that he or she doesn't like. And that's going to be a negative. Or they take a hands-off policy. Well, my kid's going to go wherever he wants to go. Well, that in itself is not good because the student really doesn't have a sense of what you need to get at college and what he needs to get at college. And what what would be some of the levels by which a 17 or 18-year-old might judge a college without uh, having been asked the tough questions and having been guided as to the things that colleges offer? Uh, A 17 or 18-year-old might say, well, where am I going to have the most parties? Or what school is going to have the best football team? Or where are my friends going? Uh, Not that these are bad reasons to choose a school, but they should be part of the equation of the choice, not the entirety of the choice. Well, I love to hear that from students because it's important to take into account the environment that would be their priority. Mm -hmm. As we move along in the process, I throw out some things, out some colleges that they don't know of and don't fit the mold you just said. But in the interaction between the two of us, they begin to see that, okay, sports is important, but it doesn't make the deal. So that's an important thing. But um, let me go on to some other things that I think that we present. One is... We treat students as an adult. Mm -hmm. We do not treat them as a little kid. So that the process that we go through is adult to adult. Now, since we're probably the only adults who treat them as adults, we are having a conversation amongst equals, even though it's clear that we have more competency, but the discussion is still among equals. Mm -hmm. Now, the other, I shouldn't say the other, another very important thing we do is that 
students come to trust us. Trust is a huge factor. It's a huge factor, as you pointed out, in terms of college counselors at high schools because right. things may be used against them. It is also a factor with parents because parents may use some things against, against them, them as well. right. or may accuse them of having immaturity or whatever. Or oftentimes, it's not just parents, but, but students and parents have so much historical drama that they can't have a discussion about college without it bringing up all the issues of the past. Why didn't you study harder? Why weren't you the A student like our neighbor? Why, mom, didn't you get me the tutor that I wanted in 10th grade for algebra, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, that's exactly right. And so under the trust thing, um, we make students' interest the centerpiece of what we do. That is the core. We start with the student's interest, and we know how to tease that out. Because, again, it's adult to adult. Uh, there's no repercussions with us because the student is our client. The parents pay the bills. Right? It doesn't get back to the schools. And when we discuss things with parents, we make sure the parents take seriously what the student has been telling us and showing us. And that point, maybe we're not giving the full bloom to the flower there. Some of the students come into our office as sophomores or juniors with very um, rosy pictures about what the world is really like and what it takes to be a doctor or a lawyer or even to be to, to live the standard of living that they're used to, right? Most of them, most of our clients are kids who middle class, upper middle class, even some, you know, going into the upper stratas. And some of them are unaware of, you know, what the expectations are. Hey, if you want to compete for medical school, well, you got to be in probably the top 5 to 10% of all students in the country. And if you had been holding out that idea of being a doctor, well, you're going to have to start producing so that you can start moving towards that. And so we're, again, not condescendingly, but honestly talking to them as adults. Uh, Jane, uh, you have expressed uh, your desire to be uh, a dermatologist. Well, You've been a, a, a solid B student in high school. Um, the expectations from a graduate school committee, a medical school committee, is that you're going to be one of the top 5 or 10% of students in America in biology or chemistry or maybe in a pre-med program with top board scores. How are you going to get there given that you haven't really put that to work yet? What I like to do with students is to ask them, how many hours are you studying right now per week? Mm -hmm. If a student tells me eight to 10 hours, I tell them, if you're headed off to medical school and you're looking for a 3.6 or 3.7, you're gonna have to up it to 30 or 35 hours. Now, many students will roll their eyes and come back right away. That's not me. Right. At that point, then we can say, all right, uh, it's not you. Why? Well, I want to have a social life. I want to meet new people. 
uh, I want to develop other aspects of myself. All right, then this type of school or possibly this type of career is not for you because to do well, you're talking 30 to 35 hours. Now, because we're talking basics to the student and we're talking to them as an adult, they can accept it and they can begin to think that, yeah, um, that was a fantasy of mine. Right. All right? Uh, I'm not going to put those kind of hours in. As opposed to the way sometimes parents handle it, which is to say, uh, you know, you're not working hard enough. You're never going to be a doctor. Or, yes, Jimmy, uh, I know you'll turn it on uh, in two more years because you're, gonna, you're just a late bloomer. We talk honestly, again, not condescendingly, but honestly. And when presented that, hey, this is what you're looking at if you want to go this way, this is what you're going to have to do. Can you look at yourself and say truthfully that that fits who I am? Now, another thing is that the students recognize that we're the only adults in their life who has the competency to inform them on what schools are like, right? right? What differentiates a Washington University St. Louis from a Duke? Or if you stayed in the same city, Washington University from the University of St. Louis. Right. Or if you're in California, what's the difference between UCLA and Occidental College, right? I want to be in LA area. Well, uh, UCLA or USC is my first choice. Well, maybe there's some other places you might want to go if you're thinking about California. Yeah. And the same for kids who want to stay in Texas, right? Difference between uh, UT and A&M, right? Difference between Southwestern, Austin College, and Trinity, or SMU-TCU. Right. Right. And I think they know that they can turn to us when they have concerns about how things are going. Or if something is not clear on its first pass-through, that they can send an email, make a phone call, make an appointment, and say... Dr. Shumsky, Hayden, um, what you said last time about writing the essay and finding my voice and figuring out how to talk about my experience in Mexico, I'm still not clear about that. Can we spend another hour talking that through? Can you walk me through that in more depth? Then that's what we do. Well, that's a good point, Hayden. Uh, And that's why we have a package where we give everyone unlimited time, right? right? All the time that they need. So if students get into a bottleneck, whether it's on interviews, whether it has to do with essays, kind of recommendations they need, what kind of extracurricular activities, they can come in, they can call, they can email, Skype, instant message, right? right? They can do any of those things. So we're available. Right. We're there. All right. Another thing that we do is in, in our laying out the groundwork for how you make good choices about college, the student begins to take control of that process right. and feels in control of his own destiny in terms of getting to where he wants to go. I think that that, uh, I think the trust piece 
is one of the most uh, important uh, things that we provide for kids. But I think that piece, while subtle, is very important. What I've found to be most satisfying in our work is seeing the light bulb go on for a young woman or a young man where he or she begins to say, hey, uh, I'm just beginning and I can take a path anywhere I want to go. I just have to choose and then execute the plan that I lay for myself. Exactly. Exactly. Um, another thing is that during the, we give a student 20 or 25 colleges to research at the beginning. In their research, they come to realize certain things that they like and don't like. So when they come in here and they've done their research, we can discuss why they like certain aspects and why they didn't. Now, in going through that process, students become much more aware of what is of interest to them and what they came in with in terms of what they thought was the case does not always turn out to be that way. And I have found in, in, in the 25 years that students are very open to learning more about what colleges offer and how they fit into those offerings. I, I agree with you. And, and I think another area kind of right on top of that, where when we begin to research majors and possible career paths, when students start to go in and do the research about, hey, well, I, I think I want to be a biology major, but what does a biology major actually study at a university? And we go in and we walk them through the curriculum of what is the four-year plan for a biology major if he's going to be at X school, Y school, Z school. Um, well, you're going to take your introduction. You may take a couple of uh, chemistry classes to fill in certain parts of a you know, biochemical interaction. You're going to learn about cells, uh, the animal world, the human cells, uh, plants, et cetera, et cetera. Some kids say, you know what, I thought I wanted to study biology, but after I read through the curriculum, I don't want to be a bi biology major anymore. What I actually want to do is to study uh, economics or whatever else, uh, engineering or uh, computer science. Right. The other thing about the discussion of what do you study as a biologist, the question is that students pose to me, what do I do with that degree besides going to medical school? Right. And of course, as we know, there's probably 15 or 20 careers that biology fits into. And one of the important reasons to be in a scientific field, biology, chemistry, physics, is that you learn how to think analytically. Those sciences demand analytical thought. And analytical thought is a valuable characteristic. To any in, employer. To any employer. And, and secondly, any student who's been a, a hard science major and who has performed well is going to be well thought of by a potential employer because employers know that in the hard sciences, there's much less grade inflation and much less kind of BSing your way through school, that those kids, not only have they learned a lot, but they've also had to work hard because in biology departments at most 
campuses, not all, but most, uh, you'll see a high level of competition and very little chance to inflate your grade. Yeah, totally agree. Now, the other thing that's important is when we have the short list of colleges, our eight to ten colleges that they're going to apply to, and we've stratified it in, in terms of reach schools, target schools, which means that they basically fit the existing profile. but Kind of in year, the middle, in the median. Right. Yeah, but from year to year, you never know what's going to happen. And they identify their safety schools. Of course, they're going to be most interested in the reach schools and target schools. And so then they get hit with the reality. We put down for them, this is the grade point average you're going to need, and this is the board scores you're going to need. And what you find, and it's rather mir miraculous to parents, is that the student buckles down right? because they know what the reward is for that hard work, mm -hmm. right? They will get to go to the college that they want to go to. Right, right. And I think beyond just that kind of uh, uh, motivating carrot at the end of the rope, I think sometimes when they come to our office, um, they have incorrect ideas about what actually is a target, a safety, or a stretch for them. And because we've been in this process for so long, see the changes from year to year, are paying attention to, hey, this school every year is getting a more and more and more uh, a competitive crowd, or Houstonians and kids from our area of the world uh, apply to this school in higher numbers than kids from maybe the East Coast. So the median number for school X, if you're coming from Houston, might be a little higher than if, it, if you were from New Jersey. Or uh, here's a school that uh, the median score is very high, but since they don't get a lot of Texans, you might be more of a target for that school than someone who is from New Jersey, which is where the school's located, and they get a lot of the local applicants. Right. So understanding all the subtleties of figuring out what school is really a target in terms of you fitting their profile and what's really a reach and what's really uh, a safety for you. Right. Now, let me conclude on this point. I think the value we, we give to parents is unparalleled. And I say this respectfully and humbly that we know the colleges and universities from the inside. Right? I was a professor for 11 years. I served on an undergraduate and graduate admissions committees. I know the logic that professors use in terms of how they think about students and how they think about their research. We also know the colleges from the outside in the sense of what students think about different colleges, why they want to go to certain places, and who's pushing them to go to those places. And I think because we can handle both sides of that, that there really isn't anyone in the country that can match the service and provide families with the value that we do. And on that note, I would like to say goodbye to our listeners. 
Thanks again for tuning in to College Admissions Clinic Radio. As always, you can find us on the web at www.collegeadmissionsclinic.com and at www.marshallshumsky.com. We are on Twitter, and you can find us at twitter.com slash collegeclinic. Drop us a line on Twitter anytime, or send emails to info at collegeadmissionsclinic.com. Thanks very much for listening.